to the Barely Living Dread Girls podcast, where we like to get high and talk about horror movies. I'm Casey. And I'm Jess. And we are on our third movie of Stephen King Summer. Stephen King Summer. Stephen King Summer. Summer. Woo! Summer. Skirt. Skirt! Yeet! (laughs) Anyway, that was amazing. What are we covering this week, Jeff? We are covering the Netflix special... In the Tall Grass. Yes! Uh, which was originally a, I don't know if it's a novella, I think it's a novella. I think it's classified as a novella, because a novelette is also a thing. It's shorter than a novella. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> the categories are by, um, how many words are in it. So there's a novelette, a novella, a novel, and then an epic. She's and so, so pretty when she's being smart. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. She looked at me so lovingly. Get you someone who looks at you the way Jess just looked at me talking about Stephen King and books. Love books. Um, so anyway, uh, this was, uh, it's called In the Tall Grass. It was written by Stephen King and his son Joe Hill, who is a very acclaimed <sighs> author in his own, own right. Uh, he is a snack, as previously mentioned on last week's episode. <laughs> We're going to probably keep mentioning it. Uh, Well, he's literally, he's baby Stephen King, but somehow, like, hotter. Even though I always thought Stephen King was hot in a nerdy kind of way, but... Anyway, so, um, it's like 92 pages, something like that, or... I don't know, that's how long mine was. Um, I couldn't... I don't have a physical copy. I got it on, um, like, the Apple Books or whatever, Mm -hmm. where you can read it on your phone. Because it was published in the New Yorker, I want to say, or New York Times. I want to say it was a New Yorker. Um... And, uh, that's pretty much the only place you can get it. It, uh, is a very interesting story. I think it's a really cool concept that the two of them wrote something together. I love that. Um, I want to say they also wrote a full-length novel together. I don't remember, but, uh, his other son, uh, Owen, uh, Owen King. Sorry, I almost said Owen Hill, so it's Joe (laughs) Hill. And then Owen King is also a writer. I have one of his books downstairs. I haven't read it yet. It's called Sleeping Beauties. So, of course, the world's, in my opinion, greatest writer, uh, at least living, if not of all time, in my opinion, but definitely living, um, both of his sons also became writers and met his his wife uh, in a writing class in college. Stephen King did? Yeah, he's been married to Tabitha for, since college. They were college sweethearts, and then, uh, yeah, they met in a writing class and fell in love. That's fucking adorable. He has a, um, uh, uh nonfiction book called um on writing and of course i read it and it's a little bit of an autobiography a little bit um teaching you kind of how to write you know different tips on writing and things like that it was very interesting but anyway uh this movie uh it's on netflix like 90 minutes something like that it's no it's i feel like it's more than that i could be totally wrong it always feels shorter because it just like it feels like it just kind of Maybe it was. I thought it felt a little longer, but I also just woke up when I watched it. Fair. Totally so fair. I was like, <laughs> I still enjoyed it. Yeah. I was just oh, really yeah. like, I'm awake and I have to do so much stuff after this. <laughs> so besides the, you know, that part. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, um, I can't remember what else I was going to say. Definitely go watch it. It's always on Netflix. You can't get it anywhere else. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's got Patrick Wilson in it. Yes, it does. Who I love. He's 
a horror icon in his own right, I think. A hundred percent. He is in two of the biggest horror franchises of all time. I mean, he is in all, he's in every Conjuring movie, and he's Insidious. in a couple of the spin spinoffs. Oh, yeah. And in Insidious. the Insidious series. And he's in this. And, I mean, it's not really horror, but it's, ro- it's gothic horror in its own sense, romantic horror. Uh, he was in Phantom of the Opera. Oh, really? Yeah. Aww. He's got a beautiful singing voice. Unbelievable. Aww. He's one of the three leads. Oh, I he's, love him. So it's, uh, the lead is Emmy Rossum. Love her. She's beautiful. Christine Daae. And she's got the two loves. Um, Patrick Wilson, whose name I can't remember in the thing. And then The Phantom, who's played by Gerard Butler. 2004 Ooh. was a weird time. Good fucking movie. Okay. <laughs> Gerard Butler's hot. Phantom of the Opera is my favorite musical of all time. Aw, let's see. And yes, Gerard Butler is very hot. He also has a very pretty voice for that, but, oh my god, Emmy Rossum's voice, you wouldn't believe. I just, I love Chicago, and I can't, I can't get away from that. That's okay. I also love Chicago. I also fucking love Rent. Anyway, enough about musicals. I also love Burlesque. Oh, yeah. So, (laughs) um, yeah, so it's got Patrick Wilson, um, it lists Rachel Wilson as his wife in the movie. Is that his wife? Who is he married to in real life? I don't know. That's a good question, though. Um, but there's basically uh, six characters, essentially. Um, there, and in the book, in the novel, novelette, novel, novella, novella, it's basically the same. So it is, we start with Cal and Becky, um, who are siblings. Uh, that is not a name that I don't I, I don't know I how can... to pronounce that either but she's beautiful yeah she's gorgeous it's just it, it it's happenstance I guess that the uh actress's name that's playing his um wife in this also has the last name Wilson that's hilarious yeah um so uh Travis and Becky uh obviously the main characters in the novella um they are described as uh almost being this is probably a derogatory term but Irish twins um like, when twins are born, or when siblings are born within less than a year of each other, um, they're considered Irish twins, or Catholic twins, or very, I, yeah, nothing against the Irish, but, uh, that's... They have a very intensely close relationship, and it's, like, brought up a lot yes. in the movie. And it's, it's explained, it's so much creepier in the book, because it's very, um, very, very codependent. Like, it's, and they even, you is can kind of like tell. Is it, incestuous at all? I think on Cal's side, yes. Yeah, I think, for sure. And there's a part in the movie that they changed for the movie that is different in the book that 100% solidifies that for me. And I'll get to it for you. And everything that you are, like, I think is underlying isn't even underlying in the novella. It's, like, they just basically spell it out for you. It's so fucked up. So, Becky is six months pregnant. And they are on their way to California, um, to the West Coast somewhere, to, in the um, movie it's kind of specified that she's giving the family, giving it to a family. In the book, or in the novel, they're going to stay with their aunt and uncle, and she hasn't really decided. And it's kind of, she seems a little undecided in the movie, too. And they don't even bring up what she was going to do in San Diego until basically towards the end of the movie. Right. So we're just kind of left that they're traveling to San Diego. She's six months pregnant. Right. With her brother. And then on this road trip, they, like, pull over because she was having mor- morning sickness, which 
as happens apparently all the time. I was going to say, if, you're, if you've ever been pregnant or known someone close that's pregnant, it's it's all day sickness. And it was, like, really gross because they, like, had a shot of him, like, chewing this burger. And I was like, no. And that's, then it showed her And puking. she immediately was like, oh, God, no. I, I might have done the same. It was real close on his mouth. Yeah. But. <clears throat> it is, it's, it is filmed very well in that scene to make you also go, ooh. It was, a little too, yeah. Like, I mean, just, like, the very close-up on someone chewing on something or biting into something. That's disgusting. Truly. No. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so they get, you know, they pull over on the side of the road so she can throw up. While she's outside of the car, she, they're, like, kind of in this incredibly rural area. And there's this weird Mid- abandoned Midwest. church. Yeah, there's he this loves weird. The, Stephen King loves the Midwest. If it's not in Maine, it's in the Midwest. But if there's this like weird abandoned church across the street, but the the weirdest part is that nobody's in the church, but there's cars there. There's like five or six cars. Look very dusty. And they're dusty. You can tell they've been there forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's on the left side of the road to the right side of the road where they pull over. There is the tall grass, and it is. I would say this grass is probably seven feet tall. I would say um, it's definitely, like, comparable to the height of corn. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, walking through a cornfield, but Being much, from Indiana. Less, <laughs> much less visibility. Because yeah, because corn it's... Because in rows, and yeah. you can walk through a row a lot easier. Not that I'm saying it's easy to walk through a cornfield, honey. You know what I mean? But, um, so yeah, it is, it's very dense, very tall, just, and, like, the very, very, very first shot of this movie that we get is an overhead shot looking down on this grass. And it looks like water, the way it's, like, Oh, it's so cool. I wrote really awesome, spooky intro. So many cool shots of grass, because, yeah, it does, The shots, the movie is shot amazingly. As soon as she sees, because, uh, so they hear someone, and they hear a little boy in the grass calling to them, um, saying, help me, please, and then they hear his mom saying, don't call out to them, so they're kind of weirded out, and as soon as Cal goes into the grass to go after them, the second... He, like, it envelops him. You just kind of get this shot of her looking, like, you can see from her POV, looking at the edge of the grass. It looks daunting. Yeah. Like, saying grass looks scary doesn't sound like it could be scary, but, like, even, and, like, the descriptions of grass in the story, it's terrifying the way it's described. Just, like, endless, monotonous amounts of just green, green everything and not knowing where you're going in mud and wet everything's wet and squishy and squicky i mean imagine being lost in the middle of the woods or a forest like those are some some like of some people's biggest fears are being lost in a maze basically a Mm -hmm. nature's maze that if it could be impossible to find your way out yep and this is um this is a very creepy version of that with the grass. And, yes. oh, man, it did freak me out. The grass yeah. freaked me out. Yeah, scary grass. It was. Um, so, yeah, um, they, so right before Cal goes in, he does a little uh, Captain Cal to the rescue. Stephen Kingism. <laughs> You'll hear me say that a lot this summer because he loves his Stephen Kingisms. Um, Patrick Wilson's character has one later when he goes, uh, um, what is it? Uh, Ross is my name, uh, real estate's my game. Like, it's such a Stephen Kingism that Midwest dad, dad vibe. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Vibe. He loves that kind of shit. Those over the top, like, 
like Three Stooges style comedy. You know what I mean? Like he <laughs> loves that shit. I love Three Stooges. I mean, yeah, but anyways. Um. So yeah, they're it. They go in there, and immediately she loses sight of him, and they can't find each other. And they start to like jump to try to see each other on like the count of three, so they can see each other from the grass. And one time they jump, and, and they they're pretty close. And then they jump again, and they are. so so far away from each that other. That scene the first time I saw it gave me chills. I, I, I like, watched the movie a couple years ago and I just read the novella like a couple weeks ago. So I definitely saw the movie first. Uh, it was creepy. I saw this movie first. So it was during COVID. It was during lockdown. Yeah, it, it came out in 2019. Yeah. yeah. It was during lockdown and um, I missed my mom. And so I called her and we put each other on speakerphone and pressed play on the movie at the same time before Amazon Party Watch became a thing. Yeah. So we watched it together um, over the phone. That's cute. So I had an echo the whole time, but it was still a good movie. (laughs) Um, Um, But anyway, so yeah, that that scene gave me freaking chills. I was like, um. That was wild. I was like, okay, what the fuck's going on? Um, Yeah, so there's some, um, like, uh, space-time fuckery going on in this. A weird time loop. Yeah. For sure. Uh, and none of the time loop stuff is in the story. It's all spatial fuckery. It's, oh, it okay. Um, the time difference, like, because this is really, like, the way that time flows and the days and a day is like a month, basically, because she's only six months pregnant when they go into the grass. And then by the end, she's, you know, ready to pop. Ready to pop. Um, but then Cal finds a dead puppy. The dog died. Yeah. Freddy. Freddy, Freddy. the dog. Uh, he's dead. So we see him, and then, um, Tobin, or Cal eventually does, uh, run into Tobin, the little boy. Mm-hmm. One of the creepiest little boys I've ever seen. Um, he's terrifying. And he was like, Becky's gonna die soon. Yeah, and he's like, oh, look. Sorry, I didn't mean to hit my mic like that. Uh, We're too animated. Um, he's like, oh, let me show you, let me show you. And he leads him to the rock. It's this big, giant rock in the middle of the field. And he goes up to it and he, like, hugs it and touches it. And it gives him all the knowledge or something. I don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, I don't know. But, um... We also have a scene, because Cal and Tobin found each other, and then Becky and Ross, who is our Patrick Wilson character, uh, he found her, and he was just like, hiya! Like, he was just, like, so fucking casual. And He's creepy immediately? Immediately. I was like, you are too fucking calm and joyous, and he was like, I know this is such a small detail, but the most clean of them? Yes. And I was like, interesting. You look too clean. And there's kind of a reason, not really, but kind of, because he's already touched the rock. Yeah. And you'll learn that touching the rock is a good and a bad thing. 100%. Because it, like, the way they describe it, he's like, it'll show you how to get out, but you won't want to. And, like, you're just a part of the grass at that point. Like, it overtakes you. Yeah. But then you have, like... I don't know, like, all the knowledge of the universe or something? Yeah. But you're also crazy, so... I don't know. Well, they try off, you decide. <laughs> well, they go to try to find Cal. Um, 
And she's, like, very hesitant to trust this man, and I don't blame her. Uh, no, I wouldn't either. Random guy in a field. Bye. Um, but Cal and Tobin were, like, they, they stumbled across, like, a dead bird. And that's when Tobin said, grass doesn't move dead things. Yes. And I was like, the the grass, not grass. Yes. Because duh. But it was really creepy. I was like, why? Um, and then, so they're just kind of exploring, like, their various ways through the grass at this point. And as Becky and Ross are walking, she, like, trips a little bit over this fanny pack that's like spilled out and there's like a clump of hair and it looks really disgusting and it's i was just like oh no and then uh we have a moment where she gets separated from ross and then something comes out of the grass and we don't really get to see what it was and she's screaming get away from me get away from me and all this like she's terrified but we don't see what's happening because we kind of get another one of those above shots and then we cut back to Cal and he's freaking out because mm-hmm. he can't get to her. Mm-hmm. But, um... And it's, it, the way it's shot is really interesting because you'll see, you'll have a view of one person standing there and you'll hear someone else talking and you'll hear the sound go from one side to the other and they're like, stop moving around, just stay in one place. But they're, they're just like, standing I am. There, and it's just because, like, it's just fucking with you. The grass is just fucking with you. Um, the interesting thing about the story is, like, um, so the, the boyfriend character comes in, and, uh, eventually. He is not in the story at all. Oh. Um, the story is really, really simple. They go into the grass, they get lost, and it pretty much ends. Like, the story is, like, the first third of this movie. Oh. And, like, shit goes down, um, the part of the end happens, the really bad part, and then they're just kind of stuck in the grass forever, and it ends with the uh, these stoners, these, like, typical hippies pull up, and they hear Cal and Becky in the grass screaming, and they go in to look for Cal and Becky. And, and then that's how cut. the story ends, yes. Totally different ending than the movie, and yeah, they added a lot. I mean, they added an entire extra character. Yeah. He's mentioned in the story, obviously, because he's the father of the baby, but he's not an actual character, and in this, he is. Yeah, I put Baby Daddy Comes Looking For, because this is before I knew his name, but I was like, Baby Daddy Comes Looking For Becky, um, and then he finds her and Cal's car parked at the empty church, and he's like, sees it on the side of the road. And to us, like, the sun did go down, it became night, to us it looks like it's the next day. But apparently a lot of time has passed. Because there is a ton of dust on their car. And mm-hmm. why would it be the next day if he's going looking for them? Because they are missing. He knows they're missing. And it's Travis is the name of the baby daddy. Yes. He is now looking for them. So he sees their car and is like, oh shit. And does he hear Tobin calling? Um, Or does he just go into the grass? I think he just goes into the grass. Oh, he saw her book. He saw yeah. her book outside the grass, so he yeah. goes in looking for her, and he's actually pretty smart in this sense, because he's, like, t- trying to tie knots in the grass to, like, mark his path, but you see the grass, like, when he walks away, slowly unwind itself, and I was like, nice try, bucko. That is so smart, though. <laughs> it is. But then he's, like, still wandering at nighttime, um, and he's exhausted, so he's, like, laying down to try to get some sleep, and fucking there's Tobin again yep there's Tobin now he (laughs) finds Travis and he's like you don't remember me 
we met before. And he's like, no, we haven't. He's like, you're Travis. He's like, what's up, you know my name? It's like, you're trying to find Becky. <laughs> what the freak? It's a ghost. That's what I would think. He's like, you yeah. really want me to show you where Becky is? And he's Are like, you yes. Are you sure? Ugh, okay, Ugh. fucking psycho. That's what this little kid's thinking. Well, you know, the grass doesn't move dead things. So the only way he can find Becky is to find dead Becky. Um, and we assume, although later it's verified that this could totally be a, an entirely different version of Becky, but we assume it's the Becky that was attacked by whatever came out of the grass and she screamed. Mm-hmm. Um, could be one of what we assume are infinite Beckys. Yeah. Like, later on, we yeah. see something, like, really fucks with space-time and, like, infinity. And yeah, the next scene, honestly. I was thinking of the one between Ross and Cal, which is later on. Oh, when okay. they're leaving, like, the bowling alley thing, and he runs and turns left. And oh, like, okay, yep, 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 yep. You're thinking to yourself, if I just turn right, we'll get to that later. That's one of my favorite scenes, too. There's a few. Patrick Wilson is chewing the scenery in this movie chewing like unhinging his jaw and swallowing this entire film he is uh, i have chills mm, he, i do too patrick is, wilson is oh my god off his unhinged. fucking rocker he's so happy go lucky but so evil angry inside like it's you can just tell that the there surface. is something like He's going to snap. He like knows he's, something. He's acting twice almost. Like he's acting like this evil crazy dad who's trying to, to act, act normal. like a normal dad. It's incredible. It's crazy. Incredible. Patrick Wilson, please come on the podcast. I would die. <laughs> I would kill P- Please bring Lynn Shay with you. <gasps> She's an angel. <laughs> Even if you just call us Lynn Shay, please be on our podcast. We just stare like this and just like, let's talk. Talk about anything. I don't care what you say. Just Patrick say Wilson, it. shut up. Lynn Shay, just keep going. You're good eye candy. I want you to talk. Also, um, <laughs> Lynn, can you, uh, next time you see your brother, um, slap him right across the face for ruining the end of Nightmare? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyways, moving on. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, look up The History of a Nightmare on Elm Street, the very first one. Watch it. So, we get a scene now where... We see uh, Ross's family pull up outside the church. So this is like a total time fuckery. Yes. And. This is like, yeah, this, uh, they pull up to the church. Dad's taking a phone call with his khakis and he's got like this pink polo thing. He looks hilarious. He's like, don't, don't pull out of escrow. Ah, It's not too high. The fuck is escrow? Oh, like when you buy a house, like, um, like the in between time when you're like finalizing all the things it's like in escrow so yeah. it's not like fully sold yet but it's kind of off the market i watch a lot of hgtv um, i watch a lot of naked and afraid <laughs> they don't talk about that they talk about crows i'm sure but anyways so it was crazy that tobin's like i hear something in the woods and then the mom's like, we probably shouldn't go in there. And their dog, Freddy, takes off into the woods. Beautiful so, of course, golden. yeah. So, Taurus, Tobin chases after him. Well, we find out that the voice yelling was Travis. And then he was Terrible. actually, like, 
don't come in here. Like if you if you're not in the like grass, don't come in here. And then like so yeah, it's wild. But um, then we see also the wife when she comes in to the woods. Like we see her fanny pack, and we realize that's the one that um, Becky had tripped over earlier. Yep. The whole thing is wild. Um. Oh, then they just showed like an out. I thought this was just a really cool scene. They showed like a pan out of the church and the stained glass looked like grass. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really fucking really cool. Really cool de- detail. Yeah. It's very cool little detail. I didn't I, notice that my first time through. Yeah. So I was just like, weird freaking time loop. <laughs> yep. And around here is when you kind of find out that they were going to have the baby. Up for adoption, yeah. And that Travis had asked her to abort the baby because he didn't want to be a father, but now he's like, ooh, I didn't mean that so much. Now they're, like, apparently three months later about to have the baby. I kind of want it now. Maybe I overreacted. (laughs) Um, Also, we're seeing scenes throughout where she's kind of, like, you can tell that she's, like, having contractions. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's just like, oh, it's just kicking. It's, I'm fine, but, like, it was the subtle way of being like, time has passed and you're about to have this child. So that was really, that was a really cool, like, way to kind of mind fuck you a little bit. Yes. Yeah, so at this point, the four of them have united. So we have Cal, Becky, Travis, and Tobin together. The parents are off in fuckery land. Um, so we have the four of them together. That's when they have their little, he's like, oh, I want to be in it, blah, blah, blah. Um, and this, I think, is when they see the um, bowling alley in the distance. The, like, building in the distance. I think that's when they see the bowling alley. Um, and right around here is when she gets the phone, phone call. call. This really, really creepy phone call um, that I think, like, I feel like in a lesser movie, this scene doesn't play out as well. And it's more forced, I think. Because she gets a call that you can't really tell what it is, but they're like, don't make the same mistake, don't let Cal hurt Travis, and then it, like, hangs up, and you can kind of tell, well, if you have the subtitles on, like, me, it kind of ruins it, and it says, Becky, so you know it's Becky's voice, but you can kind of tell. Yeah, you can. Um, And that does come back later um, in, like, and again, I think in a lesser movie, it would be so forced but when that moment happens and she makes that call later in the movie, it feels like such a natural progression and moment for that to yeah, happen. Yeah, absolutely. And so, props. Um, and then as they're walking, there's this really creepy shot of that like zooms in and there's like this eye watching through the grass. There's lots of like... I just did the Illuminati thing. I'm not part of that because you know that because I'm poor. Um, that is the fucking, that's it right there. How poor are you? <laughs> not Super Illuminati. Poor. I'll kill anyone you want. You have to hurt anyone. Just kidding. For I legal purposes, that's a joke. I did say I wouldn't kill you, though. I know I wouldn't do that. I sure the world. Woo! Sugar mama. <laughs> so, um, they at one point all meet around the rock all of the six people because the wife is like listen 
don't trust my husband because he's fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. She comes out of the woods and she's immediately, like, grabs Tobin and is like, you stay away from us. Yeah. And the rest of the gang is like, whoa, whoa. And he's <sighs> like, honey, it's fine. You're just dehydrated or something, you know? Yeah. I was. He's, mommy's uh, hallucinating or I can't remember. Yeah. Imagining things. But I was like, why is he so weirdly chipper right now? And he's, like, obsessed with this rock. But it has, like, carvings on it and stuff. Like, ancient carvings. he's telling them to touch the rock. He really wants them to touch this rock. Like, come on, man. It's like your friend that really wants you to try a specific drug. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> For legal purposes, also a joke. Also a joke. So, um... Oh, my God. This is one of my favorite parts, too. Because So, they're all in this area. They're... Yeah. <laughs> So, they're, like, arguing. The wife's kind of telling them, like, don't touch the rock. Like, it's gonna make you go crazy. Whatever. Um, and the, like, very calm, almost chipper way he, like, goes over Patrick Wilson's character. Um, what is his name? It is... Ross. uh, Ross. Uh, goes over to his wife, Natalie, and he gets her down to her knees somehow, right? Or something? Well, I think he beat the shit out of Travis first. Yeah, he does get in a fight with Travis. And then he takes his face and, like, smashes it into the ground yeah. a few times. Like, I kind of thought for a second he was going to be dead. because Luckily, it looked... it's really muddy. Yeah, so it's so probably a little... a little softer. A little softer. But that's when he then goes for his wife while she pushes Tobin away to try to, like, yes. get him to run. So Tobin and Becky are kind of doing their own thing now, but... Oh god! I gets, love this fucking moment because he gets I, the wife down. Oof! What's he do he to her? Takes his hands and he just <sighs> like Jason style in that fucking one of those sequels where he just in the eye just like like it is just straight crushes his head between his her hands between her head between his hands. And Tobin is still there First watching all, this impossible. whole thing. I'm pretty sure that's impossible. Are you sure that's no, I think, like, there, like, I don't think there is an amount of, like, I think the pound per inch that you have to do, like, I, I, I know you can stomp someone's skull, like, if you're strong enough, but I don't think it's possible to, like, maybe, like, tambourine, yeah, like, maybe if you had something really <laughs> or not tambourine, symbols, sorry, yeah, and, like, came in, like, at enough speed, but to just, like, grab it, and then just, like, slowly crush it, I think, unless you're Jason Voorhees, I don't think you're but this I'm, is supernatural movie. I'm sorry that I'm laughing, but since you brought up the Three Stooges earlier, I just imagine like a Three Stooges skit where like Curly's just sitting there, and then like Mo comes up and like crashes his head between some symbols. He's like, nah, 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 or something like that. I love that. So, and, oh, like like in the, the 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 Jim Carrey Grinch when he has the big monkey and he's just doing the doing that theater. Right. I love Christmas music. I don't. I like it. I like Christmas music. I just. Don't like it playing all the fucking time in the place that I work. No, totally fair. Totally so, fair. If I now had to work I have in, a, like, a grocery store or something, oh my god. When I worked at Half Leader, we had to play it all the time. We we had a count. We had a count on the fucking... We had a, a dry erase board, like, next to our tap lines and everything. We would write what was, like, 86. And we did All I Want for Christmas. It I was, was like gonna one, say, a two, Mariah three, Carey four, count. Five, one, two, three, one, five. It was... And that's, like... We would take a shot every time we were to two. And then one night they died. And I was in a weird time loop and I made it out and I came back. Woo! And we're so glad. Thank God for that, right? Right. Thank <laughs> the rock god. Right. 
But, um, um, yeah, so, like, fucking A. Like, Tobin just watched his mom's head get crushed. Travis, oh, no, Travis isn't there yet. So, Becky and Tobin, is it just Becky? Oh. No, it's all three of them. It's all Becky, Tobin, and Cal. Becky, Tobin, Cal, and Travis are all together. How did Travis get away? I don't know. You're right, though. You're right, because the, yeah. Yep, yep, yeah, yep. so, um, they end up getting to this old bowling alley. Yeah. Which, again, which was totally not in the story, but makes sense to have another, um, set piece for mm-hmm. the movie, because movies can get kind of, uh, stagnant and boring. Yeah. Or can get. There are movies that are set in one place that are not, but it does make it a little easier when you have that dynamic to have somewhere else. Yeah. So, um, they do find this very creepy abandoned bowling alley, um, and, oh, this is when they see Freddy, the dog, they see him, and then he, like, turns and goes, and he, like, disappears through, like, a hole, like a a black hole kind of thing. And then they see him come out over by the church. Yeah. But. A wormhole. Yeah, so they made it to the top of the bowling alley, and Patrick Wilson is, like, obviously trying to get up there. And, um, yeah, he's chasing after them, obviously, wanting to murder, you know, murder purpose. I can't even remember, like, what started the fight between Travis and Cal. It, um, so, Travis, or Cal and Becky have this very intense brother-sister relationship that borders on uncomfortable for some people, and I think it's implied that, uh, maybe that might have been a... Uh, part of the reason that Cal and Tra- or Becky and Travis's relationship didn't work out because the brother is so involved and so obsessed with her, and I think it's explained a little more in the story how obsessed with Becky Cal really is, and how dependent on her, and how protective of her he feels. And that does come out in the movie in the way that he really hates Travis, and I get why you would be mad at. The boyfriend for being like oh abort your baby I don't want it and then letting her you know what I mean like you're gonna be mad but also not your baby not your life um and he's just it, it's a jealousy thing I think it's very much implied that he is jealous of Travis yeah so I think it gets started because I want to say uh Cal says something to Travis and Travis says something along the lines of well maybe if you are so fucking obsessed with your sister like makes he one of those literally comments. said that something about wanting to fuck her. Yeah. And I was like, oh, the tea. It's and then hot. um Travis like stumbles over like the building like I can't remember how it happened, but he was tripping and Cal grabbed his hand and caught him, but then he just kind of looks at him and just lets go. And Becky's like, "What happened to Travis?" No. He's like, "He's coming. Let's Live go." The key. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't cry at that if you've never cried I was at literally that scene, like let's not talk about that if you've never cried at that scene you're not human fuck you it's the circle <coughs> of life and, and it moves us all I don't know the rest in the circle the circle of I did a little bit in there though. I was like, what I couldn't remember the lyrics. Did you like Lion King too? 
Yeah, I remember liking it. Kovu, Kiara, Together. <laughs> Do you remember Lion King one and a half? Oh my god! Right? Didn't I just you unlock just some un- memories? Locked. Lion King one and a half, y'all. We were so excited for that shit. I still haven't seen the live action. I heard oh, it was I haven't bad. either. Sorry, we're derailing. Um, <laughs> so. So yeah, um, he is like, uh, Travis is right behind us. Let's go. <laughs> and um, <laughs> she's like, mm, I don't believe you. Um, so I think they. Yes. So they split because Becky goes back for Travis. Yes. Cal. Because she's like, did, what did you do to Travis? Yes. And Cal runs because Patrick Wilson, Ross, is still chasing them. And this is a really, another really good scene because he's chasing them and, or he's chasing Cal. And Cal's like running, running, running. And he makes this really hard curve right. And as soon, like as soon as he does, he gets just like fucking tackled to the ground by Patrick Wilson's character. Mm -hmm. And he's like pinning him down and he's like, you know, Cal's like struggling and he's like, I know what you're thinking. If you would just turn left instead of right. But the thing is, you did turn left. And you did go right. And you've done everything else. And I'm always there every time. All and choices. All choices lead back to me. Lead back to me. Oh, so I got chills again just now. Um, and, like, he's, like, strangling Cal. And Cal looks over. And there's this infinite line of Cal bodies. Like, the further it goes, the more in decay they are. It was so fucking cool. It is creepy. I, I love, love that scene. I love time fuckery stuff. I love that like little bit of, I don't know if I'll call it sci-fi or just that like, mis- I don't know what it is, but that, I love time fuckery. I love anything with time loops, time travel. I think it is just so fucking cool. I have I've had an idea I'm, I'm a writer, or at least I consider myself a writer. I love writing. Um, I've had an idea for a novel with time loop in it for the longest, like, literally since high school, and just haven't fully grasped what I want to write about, but I know I'm going to write a time loop story one day. I love that. I love time loops. Well, also for me, it's just, like, I love a movie, and I know I've said this before on this podcast, but I love a movie that doesn't spoon feed me, Mm -hmm. and it leaves things for the imagination, even when the movie's done. Like, if I'm still thinking about okay, what was actually happening? What the fuck did I just watch? Yes. What was really up with the grass? Like, if a movie leaves me, like, up up all night thinking about it, like, that's a good movie to me. That's an effective movie. And I'm not saying that movies that spoon feed you are not always effective, but I do love a little mystery and not when everything is not revealed in the end, you know? Yes, and I think this does kind of let it out piece by piece and just kind of gives these gives you these little spooky things so that in the end you're like oh wow that was weird but it comes together in a story that you know can make sense but I think everybody can maybe have their own interpretations and their own little theories I think you can pick out little things and be like oh well I think maybe this means this um it's just one of the a really good movie to pick apart which is why we're picking it apart on a podcast right um and so after uh Ross kills Cal. Um Becky and Travis are back uh together, but then they somehow get separated because then Ross attacks Becky. And he asks her if she wants to then they're back at the rock. 
Uh, well, first he attacks her, and she finds the little fanny pack of his wife's again, and she grabs the little sewing scissors things out of it and stabs him in the arm. Then the grass carries her back to the rock, because she gets, like, picked up by the grass people, and it's, like, all these creepy grass people, and they're like, Oh, like before she stabbed him in the eye, though, he said... He asked her if she wanted to lie, lie on thought, the rock naked and feel him inside her. Yes, I thought that was after. No, it was oh, that, it was and then before. she stabs him, and then the grass people yeah, carried yeah, her yeah. to the rock. Yes, so I think so, she just wasn't at the rock yet. He just said it when he found her in the woods. So, yes. so that uh, was... There is a threat of uh, sexual violence. Um, it does not come to fruition, luckily, as far as we know. Yeah. Um, I think it's implied that it maybe does in the story. Oh, really? Yeah, I think. But it's not implicit anyway. Yeah. Not even a little. Um, so... He, oh god, sorry, that just, I hate that. Hearing Patrick Wilson say that line was honestly jarring. I was like, okay, I am used to you being a good guy. And that's part of the reason it's so cool, because we don't get to see him as the bad guy that often. Yeah. I think he does a very good job of doing creepy, creepy Midwest dad. Yeah. Trying to be normal, like we said. Yeah. Uh, so. She's about to have that baby. And this is when she makes the phone call. Like, the grass people have carried her. It's pouring down rain. She's, like, lost in this. Like, she doesn't know what's going on. She's by herself. And she makes that call. And after everything that's happened, the call, like, it really does make sense. And that scene, like, it hits exactly the way the director wanted you to feel it. And that, like, call of, like, don't let Cal hurt Travis. It just feels so natural the way it Mm -hmm. which is so fucking cool and i think that's really hard to do in time loop things part of the reason i haven't tackled that story yet is because it's so hard like that's you know there's gonna be holes there you know what i mean that's one of the hardest things to write about one of my favorite books of all time is uh lightning by dean Koontz, and it's got time travel in it and it is one of the tightest uh most like like realistic i don't know how to say that but like tight time travel stories I've ever read. Like, it truly, like... Mm. Well, when uh, you said holes, speaking of holes, when good she's movie. having this baby... Well, that is a good movie. I could quote that, too. But when she's having this baby, we see the ground right by her feet collapses in by the rock. And hell opens up. Oh, like, my God. It's like little... the rock is actually like a tree, but all the roots are like souls yeah like writing people and like i thought that was so creepy and cool like i was like oh that's imaginative because it the rock you see like this much on the surface and then when it opened it literally was like i was like oh it's it's like a tree it's like rooted Mm -hmm. and then it's just forever going down with all and then like you see the the what i thought were roots start moving and they zoom in and it's all these decaying bodies, souls, whatever you want to call them, that, you know, this rock has taken. Right. And it, it was so fucking cool. There's a couple things it kind of reminded me of. Uh, If you've ever seen Society, the really balls-to-the-wall crazy uh, 80s horror movie, um, there's this thing called the shunting. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. The very beginning of the movie, though, during the opening credits, you just see, like, little glimpses of it. It's very just, like, weird writhing. But it, like, specifically the way that they are, because they kind of look like the roots and stuff, in The Ring, the movie The Ring, which Mm -hmm. I have a VHS of right up there, I'm pretty sure it's haunted, 
Um, I'm not watching. <laughs> you can't if you watch the video in the ring, like of the actual video that is haunted or whatever. One of the little scenes in it is this overhead, like really, really high up overhead shot of like maggots writhing around, but then it switches to a huge crowd of people walking in between each other, and they look like the maggots. Mm. And it reminded me of that because that imagery is very interesting, like that macro versus like the micro, like it just like the macro image of something like that is just like oh, that's so creepy to see. Yeah, something that's normal made to look like something gross. So that was a really fucking cool scene, and then she kind of, like, fades away, like, passes out, essentially. Oh, this next one's really hard. Yeah, um, this is what I was talking about earlier, as far as the story. Uh, this part is changed for the movie, and I don't like that they changed it. I kind of get why they did, because the ending. So she is halfway away, kind of asleep awake, and she's given... Well, she doesn't really know what she has at this point. And she wakes up and Cal is... Shirtless. And feeding her. Um, and, uh... He, like, like, she sees him, like, hold... Or, like, someone holding the baby. Like, she... I think it's... Barely. Tobin. Okay, yeah. I want to say it's Tobin. Um, yeah. And, like, it's just, like, these really, really close-ups. And you can't really see what she's eating, but he's, like, feeding her. And... Like, uses the phrase, um, out of the oven and bake to perfection. And she's like, what are you, what am I eating? And he's like, it's grass. It's, it's just all grass. grass. We're all grass. Just like what cows eat. And then she, like, this part especially. This was my favorite part of the story and also simultaneously my least favorite part of the story. So you realize that Cal is feeding her the baby. <laughs> And you realize then that Cal is not Cal. Is Ross. Yeah. In the story, it's Cal. And I, it is 100% Cal. And I think that that makes so much more of an impact and really solidifies his need to save her, help her, protect her in any way possible. He even, at the very beginning of the movie, which is not, I don't know if it's a reference or whatever, but he even says earlier in the movie... You need to stop paying attention to anyone else's feelings. Not mom, not dad, not the family, not the baby. You. Focus on you. Also, there was a moment where she was like, you know, he was going on about something and she's like, I don't fucking need your brotherly love right now. I need food. I need water. I need to rest. So you're right. It would have, that would have made a huge impact. Yeah, huge impact. And the way that it ends, since she still remembers everything. Or, no, not really. No, so I guess they can, still could have done that because they don't remember everything in the end. In the end of the story, obviously, it's just ambiguous. They die. They're lost in the grass. In the movie, they get away. Spoiler alert. Some of them. Um, yeah, some of them. And so, but she doesn't really remember. So it still could have been that. I think it makes so much more sense and it's just so much scarier. Like, yeah, it's a creepy, gross thing for Ross to do. But it is an insane, over-the-top, wow thing for Cal to do. Yeah. So, and in oh, the, wow. oh my god, I'm sorry, I keep referring to the story, but this part of the story, the reason it was one of my favorites and least favorite thing to read, the, if you read Stephen King, you know 
he's okay with dialogue. His dialogue sounds fine. His descriptions, Mm -hmm. when he goes on these descriptions, it is unbelievable. It is what I live for in life. And um, his description of eating this baby, a lot of slurping, um, it's described as stringy, um, salty, like sardines. It is horrifying. Oh my god. To read. Horrifying. It is it is almost as bad, but not really, but almost as bad as having to read the child orgy at the end of Oh it, my god. Which right. Nothing will ever compare to that. But um yeah, that's I was like, oh god, it's a baby. And the, like when I was reading it, I'd already seen the movie, so I knew exactly what it was. Oh, and it it should be specified, it is like, actually specified in the story that it was a stillbirth baby. And I think it's implied in the movie, too. I don't know if that makes it any better, but it is a stillbirth. Yeah. But, uh, Travis? Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention earlier, like, when she did stab Ross in the eye, like, when he found her again, he made a comment, like, blah, 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 something about, I can't see, but you really, like, eyes don't, you really don't need eyes in here, or something like that. Yeah. I thought that was creepy. Yeah. But, because um, she gets him in the other eye, too, eventually. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, Travis and Tobin found Becky, um, and of course Ross comes out, and, because he's always watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tries drowning Travis in the mud. Oh my god, imagine dying in a mud puddle. I can't. That's awful. Imagine dying 12,000 feet below the surface of the ocean. I have been fascinated. Oh, minute by minute. You heard, have... right? They found the debris. I knew that. Sh- I knew that fucker imploded. I called it. I called it the second I heard about it. I was like, "That thing imploded, hundred percent imploded instantly." It was is- only fi- the hull was only five inches thick. Yeah, it. Everyone in there knew that it hadn't been secured. It hadn't been tested. They knew what they were fucking getting into. Someone got fired of, in twenty eighteen for bringing up security. It was a bunch concerns. of bratty billionaires, if we're being quite fucking honest, looking at a mass grave of poor people. But anyway, back to the movie. <laughs> Um, so he pulls this fucking bone that was, like, broken and, like, sharp out of, like, deep into the mud. Ross does. And then he stabs Travis with that, too. I assume hits it's him probably with it. just the bone of a previous person who died in the grass. I just That's don't, what I assume. I don't know how he knew it was there. Maybe there's just so I many bones. I think the grass floated it up to him. I literally yeah, think true. that the, like, the rock and the, like, they just, like, here you go. Because the rock is, like, controlling everything, I guess. And it, it's uh, mentioned in the movie, not in the story, that it's the rock is the uh, center of the contiguous United States. Um, which is interesting. Or no, the contiguous... No, I think it is the United, United States. States. Yeah. Um, but also... If this thing has been around for millions of years, why did it choose the middle of a, an imaginary country with imaginary borders? Great question. Don't think too hard. Don't think too hard. It's not um, the story. <laughs> so, Travis is down. Ross comes after Tobin. Um, Becky has this, like, little necklace keychain thing that she stabs his other eye out with. Right before Travis dies, though. Oh, he didn't die. No, he was... Or does he die first? No, 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 no I'm no, no, sorry. No. This is later. Sorry, this is later. 
Let Jess talk. <laughs> so she has this like keychain thing that you see briefly in her hand, and she stabs Ross's other eye out. Which is a cool little detail because the first part of the story is them on their way to the West Coast. They stop at all these like interesting little tourist attractions, like the biggest ball of twine and stuff. And it looks like one of like something you would get from a little kitschy touristy yeah. type place. So, but then um, Travis gets up finally, and he takes Ross's head and bashes it into the rock, which yeah. was fucking crazy. And then he like rips off some grass and starts choking him with it. And I was like, this scene is so cool. It is because it's, it's like metal. Oh my god! Getting choked with grass. Yeah. Um, but we realize after the struggle, um, Becky died. Yeah. Unfortunately. So. How many at the time? Who knows? But this is the first time Travis had to watch it happen. Yeah. So, uh, he's like, fuck it. I'm gonna touch the rock. Touch. Touch. Um, and he, so he, like, it goes into this tool music video kind of thing. That's the aesthetic I get from that moment. Um, He starts seeing all this stuff, and then he, like, comes out from it. Like, he, you know, whatever. And he, this is such a cool fucking visual. He picks Tobin up, moves him, and then sets him down in the church. It was so cool. It is so fucking cool. Like, it just, boop, and he's in the church. And Tobin's, like, and, like, the inside of the church is, like, dark and dusty and and he runs out, and when Tobin runs out of the church, Cal and Becky are on the side of the road. Right where they pulled over, like, right when they started hearing the voices. And they're about to go in, and Tobin runs across the road, and this boy, <laughs> the dirtiest child you've ever seen in your life, yeah. runs over, and he's like, don't go into the grass, don't go into the grass, that's me, it's a trap, you're Cal, you're Becky, Travis is your baby daddy. You'll, I'll explain later, but you, we need to go. We have to go. Do not go in the grass. We need to get in the car. We need to go now. And they're like, uh, what the fuck? And then Tobin all of a sudden has the little keychain of hers. Yeah. And it's such a cool little visual because you see it at the beginning. She has it. You see it later on uh, when Travis initially finds the first dead Becky. He finds it. She uses it to stab him. And then Tobin has it in the end. It is... Like, such a writer's thing that, like, can be forced, but, like, that is something a writer looks for. Like, something to pull all the way through. Like a talisman. Yeah. And, like, you can, that can pull your story along. And it's such a good, like, instantaneous way for Cal and Becky to both know, okay, some fuckery's going on. Like, this kid's not fucking with me, nothing else. Like, some supernatural shit is happening. That is yeah. an instant way. Look, I have this thing. It's like, okay, fuck, something's going on. This child ran up to us, this knows our life. <laughs> has my keychain. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? So, like, the she's like, child. Becky's like, I don't feel good about this. Like, I don't I don't feel right about going to the grass. Right. Let's get this kid to a police station. You have to turn around. You have to turn around. Really stupid line where Cal's like, oh, but we're already... The, what about the family in California? We're already so far ahead. And it's like, shut the fuck up. You just. That's how I felt when I was coming to your house child. today. I was like, I'm already halfway there. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so. It's funny. It's hilarious. I was like, because you didn't text me back, but I didn't think anything of it. And I just started fucking driving here. Got some yes. gas. Got a 
was eating beef pizza stick. rolls and then crumble pizza. That's a good. That's that's not bad. I was eating um a Tabasco Slim Jim and uh, Twix makes these cookies and cream bars now. Yes, they're so good. I got a family pack and I was gonna save you two of them, but I ate all of them. That's okay. I totally get it. Totally. But you have crumble cookies, so. Yes, I do have crumble. Oh my god, they were so good. My stomach kind of hurts, folks. All I had was like, I had Jimmy John's earlier, but I had a beef stick and <laughs> Twix. Somebody was eating a beef stick at work the other day, and I walked in the room, and I was like, why does it smell like hot dogs? And I turned around, <laughs> and they're like, I have a beef stick. It's one of the doctors. It was literally one of the doctors. I was like, why are you just eating a beef stick? I'm gonna... <laughs> it just was interesting. Let me tell you this fun little thing real quick. We'll, we'll wrap stick. this. We'll wrap this up shortly. So, my friend Eric... He is, he's great. Um, he made a joke that he's going to live forever because he eats food with so much preservatives in them. <laughs> he drinks Mountain Dew. He eats fucking the worst foods. I love that. He eats a lot. And I was like, you're a human. Does he like his house cold? Because he might actually live forever at that point. Like, preservatives and cold? Don't keep his AC on. He might be the, like, longest living human. Right. Um, if you saw his diet, you'd disagree. But I was like, you're a human encased meat stick. Like, you have, we like, the are. casing, like, literally. Like, your skin is, like, Tabasco. Like, the Tabasco fucking um, Slim Jim wrapper. I love that. I don't want Slim Jim meat. Oh, you were mocking me a minute ago. But I said, if he's, like, a human, like, meat stick, if you cut me open, my blood... Is red dye forty, and her bones are made of Cheetos. That's where the red dye forty came from. One hundred percent. Yes. When uh, Casey are literally made of Cheeto. When Casey did my nails once, when uh, I was taking them off, this one was stained a little bit at the tip from all the fucking Cheetos I ate. And then another one of my friends brought me some Cheetos yesterday from the gas station. He's like, he's like hot Cheetos. And I was like, oh yum. And he's like, I've got these for you. And I was like. <gasps> That meme that's like when someone gets you a snack from the gas station, it's better than getting roses. And it is. I love that. Oh my god, like Daryl's post the other day. Who's that Pokemon? It was a bag of fucking hot Cheetos that all of a sudden, it's Jess! And it's Jess with hot Cheetos. I bet you guessed before you even. I did! I did get, And I never used to get them right. I used to get them wrong all the time. Except for like Diglett. You know, I used to know what Diglett was. Yeah. Looks anyway. like a little tip of a. Anyway, Penis. so, um, they drive off, um, and the last shot we get is Travis laying in the grass. It looks like that very last shot of Lost, which I never watched that show, but I know what the last shot looks like. And he's just kind of, like, laying in the grass with his eyes open, and it just kind of, like, zooms out. And my question is, since Cal and Becky time-looped back mm. and didn't go into the grass... Does Travis's soul live in the grass now? And if so, how? Because he never would have come and looked for them. But then if the grass does keep his soul, like, somehow in that time, like, and just, like, cut that part off, mm-hmm. then when Cal and Becky go back, are they going to realize Travis is missing and go back to the grass? Well, I think once they hear the little boy's story, they're not going to go get back in the grass. She might want to save Travis, though, knowing he tried to come save her. Okay, tried and failed, okay? He did his best. Well, he did save her, but he touched the rock. There's Maybe no saving she's him. smarter than me. 
There's no saving him. He touched the rock. It's true. So, yeah, he just belongs to the grass now. Um, and that's uh, how the, the movie. movie ends. Yeah. Yep. So, um, final thoughts and opinions. I love this movie. I've watched it so many times. Uh, I'll throw it on in the background for no reason sometimes, just because it's a good, fun movie to watch. Uh, Patrick Wilson doing his thing. I am always on board for it. Cannot wait to see the new Insidious movie with him in it. Oh, my uh, Red God. Red Door, is that what it's called? I can't remember, but I just fucking love those movies. We'll be there for that. One hundred percent. Yeah, I'm super excited. Still super excited for the Barbie movie. I don't care. I'm. I can't stop talking about it. I can't stop thinking about it. I. You know, I'm a. I'm a pink bitch. Oh, I will be an all pink opening night. I will be <gasps> an all pink opening night. Can we go together? I want to wear my. Yes. I want to wear my pink boots. Yes. Yes. I'm just push you like a little ratted fruit. And the booze won't save you. Mommy's okay. <laughs> Ash Nico for life. Ugh. Drop that fucking album. I don't want to wait till August. Oh my god. So, um, next week, I... I think I had Maximum Overdrive on, but I think I'm going to adjust the schedule because we might have a guest for yeah. that one. So, um, I'm not 100% sure what next week is going to be. Um, but I'm always excited for it. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, I think we're still, we just, I think we've got nine more weeks of Stephen King. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. But, um, I just want to say that if you were at the VHS convention that we were previously vending at, and you got some of our stickers, or you're here because you scanned our QR code, Whatever reason, um, we're super stoked to have you as a part of our journey. Thank you for joining us. Um, it means the world to us. Any of our listeners who were already listeners and stopped by, any of our friends who came by, thank you so much. All of your support means the world. The world. Um, this, uh, this, I mean, it's in two days for us, so that this will come out afterward. I'm so excited. Um, I just know it's going to be amazing. I'm so excited. Um. Yeah, and hopefully more conventions in the future. Yeah. Hopefully bigger and better things to come. And, you know, anyway, uh, so we'll keep you updated on all of that. Make sure that you follow all of the socials, like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, like uh, like us on Instagram and TikTok at Barely Living Dreadful, on Twitter at Living Dreadful. <laughs> and uh, email us questions, comments, concerns, requests, all that at the email, barelylivingdreadful at gmail.com. And until next week, stay spooky. Bye.